Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Great. Um, and as just before David comes up to speak, I just want to introduce myself. I work with Open Arms and head up the work here in the UK. Um, and it's just been great to be involved since April and just see what God's doing in Kenya. Um, so as David's going to be speaking on the kingdom in Kenya um, and what God is doing there, we just thought we'd like to put some context to the work that Open Arms are doing. So we're going to show a short video that will give a flavour of some of that work. And if you've got any questions or anything about uh, what we're doing at the end, then please just come and have a chat with us. Good evening, everybody. Thanks for coming out on a Sunday night. It's so good to be back in the UK. Um, Pastor Anthony uh, asked me to speak tonight, keeping with the theme on Sunday nights about the kingdom of heaven. Um, As I thought about the talk tonight, um, the first thing that came to my mind was in Luke chapter four, verses 16 to 20. Jesus has just begun his earthly ministry. He's about 30 years old, we think. And the Bible says in Luke 4 that he goes into the synagogue and he's the one reading that day and he's handed the scroll of Isaiah and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor. He's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives, to give recovery of sight to the blind, and to proclaim freedom for the oppressed, and to announce the acceptable year of the Lord. For me, That is the expression of the entrance of the kingdom of God in just a few verses. That is the best condensed summary I can think of. If you've ever studied the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, really what it all condenses down to is the rule or dominion of God. It's the rule of God, the authority of God being ushered into a place, and that place is always full of people. So, Pastor Anthony asked me tonight to talk about the kingdom of heaven as it's expressed through our work in Kenya. But I wanna, I wanna challenge you tonight that as I talk, you consider what the context of the kingdom is for you, for your world, your universe, the places God has you put your feet every day. Um, At the end of the service, I'm excited. We've got a team of some folks from Ivy 
coming out to Kenya next August. And it is not a closed trip. So I'd also ask you to, to be thinking about, as I talk tonight, whether or not the Lord might put it on your heart to come experience the kingdom in Kenya with us. Amen? Number one tonight, and we've got a lot of photos I ho and videos. I hope that you enjoy those. Pictures are always uh, wonderful. Number one, the kingdom in Kenya is expressed through our preaching of good news to the poor. Everything that we do in Kenya revolves around our relationship with God through Jesus. That's the reason my wife and I moved to Kenya. I uh, didn't really start traveling internationally till I was 42. That was about a year ago. Um, but in just a few short years after that, uh, it was in my late 40s, I was a 47, 48, God put on our hearts to actually pick up and move to Kenya. And I could not have told you in a million lifetimes that I would ever live in Africa. I was not the kid that dreamt about Africa when I was five. Yeah. I was quite comfortable in my suburban American life with horrible places like McDonald's to drive through. Never dreamt I'd live in Africa. So we believe that God has called us as part of our living out the kingdom, the Holy Spirit in us, living out the rule, the extension of the authority of God to proclaim good news to the poor. So we do that in a number of ways. One, when we have medical camps, we'll go into slum areas and bring medical teams in. And before they're seen by doctors and nurses, we share Jesus with them. We, we make it a priority to invest in their relationship with God first and foremost. Um, when we go to our slum feeding program, we feed about 300 kids a day on average in a slum so that the work goes on out beyond our village as you saw in the video. But we're always sharing Jesus with the kids and teaching them about Jesus. In the village, I mean every night in the children's homes, We've built individual homes where the children live with a Kenyan Christian mom and dad. And we have 16 to 18 children in each home, but they have devotions every night. Every single night at six o'clock, they're hearing about Jesus and they participate. Um, so reaching and preaching good news to the poor in everything we do I wanted to show you a plaque that we're gonna put in our new medical building. We're excited because for 10 years, ever since we had the dream of, of uh, Open Arms Village, we've always seen a permanent medical clinic there. My wife's a pediatric intensive care nurse, so she brings the medical component to what we do. But this is a plaque we're gonna put in the waiting room of the new medical building. You, you got that there? Yeah. That in English is a saying by the early church father Erasmus. And the original was in Latin. <laughs> but 
that's going to be front and center for people who come in to be treated, bidden or not bidden. God is present. In the Latin, it's probably a little closer to whether you invite him or you don't invite him. God is still there. And so when people come into our medical clinic, we're going to be ministering to them spiritually. Um, here's a slide. This is one way that we preach good news to the poor. Um, the, the two slides on the left, the smaller ones, we've had our medical building under construction for two years. We're getting near the end. Hallelujah. But there was a season of some months I would go up every Monday morning to the construction workers, and I would... I would actually go every week and do a devotional for them, but then we did a, a weekly series. And you know what I talked to them about? How to handle money. And, and the Kenyans laugh and they tell me, oh, but David, this is great, we dig one hole to fill another. <laughs> and some of us in the West do that too. <laughs> we dig one just to pay off the other, and then we dig another one to, to fill that one. And, and they'll freely tell you how money just goes through their hands. And so, honestly, an expression of the kingdom of God, the rule, the authority of it, what does the Bible say about more than anything else? Do you know? The topic it talks about more than anything. Money. And so to be able to just in practical ways share biblical truth with them about resources so that they can begin to take steps out of the cycle of poverty. Practical, preaching good news to the poor. And then of course uh, the picture on the right is our little church at the village that's growing. And so we proclaim the good news every Sunday not only to our village, but now a community is coming in to our village every Sunday. They have been for a while. I'm excited because I'm praying that next year, 2018, we've got a four-acre site uh, up right in the center of our community. And my dream is that our church is going to move out of the village and right up into the center of our community to continue to preach the good news to the poor. Second thing, in terms of the, the extension of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Um, you'll see in this slide a young man named Kevin, and it's a little um, gross. But you see his foot on the left. He had a massive hole full of infection and when Kevin came to our medical camp in the slum, he has crawling on his knees because he couldn't walk anymore. He actually came to our medical camp because a good Samaritan, a Kenyan woman, had found him. She actually had been allowing him to live in her home. Kevin and his sister are orphans. Their parents had both died and they were fending for themselves on the street. But Kevin had had this, this wound in his foot that just went untreated. 
he couldn't afford to go to a clinic or a hospital. And it got worse and worse and worse. And it got to the point where when he couldn't walk anymore, he wanted to commit suicide. And this good Samaritan woman caught him. He had gotten hold of some rat poison and was going to consume that because he was so desperate and in pain. And this woman found out about our medical camp and brought Kevin. I am thrilled to tell you that Jesus has healed his broken heart. The foot was bad enough. And the foot is fully healed now. We were able to get him to the hospital. He had to have some surgery to get all the infection out. But almost more importantly, his heart was healed. And it gets even better. We brought him into our village to live in our village and to get us an education. So he's going to our school now. Healing the brokenhearted. It was a medical camp that a UK team, uh, the UK team from right here in, in this area a year ago, August, we had a woman come in and she had, um, I don't know the medical term, but she had tumors growing on, on top of her skin, on all over her shoulder, and then also down in her private parts, just tumors going mad. And fortunately, we had doctors here who were able to determine that that type of tumor or cancer is sign of end stages of HIV AIDS. This woman knew she was sick and had gone to the hospital months and months earlier to figure out what was going on. But guess what? They wouldn't give her the test results until she paid her bill in full. And she couldn't afford to do that. So when she came to us, she hadn't gotten the test results telling her that she had HIV and full-blown AIDS. And so our team got to be the ones to tell her. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. This woman was, had converted to Islam. Young woman, late 20s, close to 30. Her mom was with her at the camp and is a Christian. But we were able to share Jesus with this young woman. And she accepted the Lord right there on the spot as she stared eternity in the face. It was a fabulous time. Fabulous time. Light in the darkness. That's what the kingdom of heaven brings. And that's the hope in Jesus is that no matter what happens to us in this life, this is not the end. The expression of the kingdom, healing the brokenhearted. Number three, proclaiming liberty to the captives. 
We also, as part of our work, uh, we go to a place called the Remand Center. We've got a slide of that. The Remand Center is juvenile detention. Um, you can see there on the left, it's one, it's probably smaller than the sanctuary here. And it's one large concrete square. Not even a roof. And the way the government in our county deals with street children is that every so many months the police take big lorries around the streets and the police grab the children and literally throw them into the back of the truck. And then they take them there. And whenever we can, and we go in with teams to just be with the kids and minister to them, sometimes there are children in there as young as three and four years old. And they're in there with young men who are offenders. Um, and we do everything we can in those times to rescue the small ones and to get them out of there. But it's a powerful outreach to just kids. And our teams come. We have time one-on-one -on -one with the kids. The teams come and, and someone might preach or speak to them. Team members share testimonies. We've had some powerful stories of people from here, from the West, who've struggled with alcohol or drugs or criminal activity. And they get to tell these kids who are in prison that there's hope and identify with their struggles. Up until five or six years ago, we went into the adult prisons in Eldoret, both the women's and the men's prison. And then unfortunately, um, some people started sneaking mobile phones into the prison, snapping photos of the inside of a Kenyan prison and then putting them on social media. The Kenya government was not happy. So they banned people like us from going in. However, I've heard more recently that they're opening that back up now. And so I'm excited that we can start going back into the adult prisons as well. Um, just a few stories of, of our kids. First one here is Duncan. And um, that's Duncan on the left when he arrived in our village, and that's him on the right after having been there six or nine months. But Duncan and his brother Gracious, Duncan was three on the left, his brother Gracious was five. Again, um, mom left, dad was a, a terrible alcoholic, didn't care about the boys, didn't feed the boys. So we started hearing reports of two little children living on the streets. They had dug a cave out of a mound of dirt that they lived in with a dog. And somehow, I guess this was a great dog. This dog was like a protector for these two little boys. But a pastor in their area uh, alerted us to their situation. And uh, we were able, with the government's approval, to bring them into our village. Um, you know, it, it's, it's exciting to proclaim freedom to the captives, in this case, those who are held captive to poverty. 
and being left alone at way too young an age. Um, Leon, this is another wonderful story. That's Leon on the left when we got him. Uh, severely malnourished. Um, praise the Lord, he made it. Um, he was on death's door when we got him. But Leon is now a happy, healthy eight-year-old in our school, and he's doing great. Proclaiming freedom for those who've been held captive, in this case, by malnourishment. Um, then there's Mark. Uh, we always call him Baby Mark, because we got Mark. Um, the two pictures on the left is when we got him. Mark was born to a street girl, and, you know, we just don't always understand what goes on, but she tried to strangle him and threw him into the river. Um, and interestingly, some, some other street kids found him and rescued him. So when we got him, he still had the ligature marks around his neck. Um, but he is a delight. God has a plan and a purpose for Mark. And Jesus knew he needed to have a much longer life than the devil intended for him to have. Um, proclaiming liberty, freedom to the captives. Number four, Jesus said he came to recover sight to the blind. In other words, healing. And that's, that sight, both physically, as we all know, Jesus came and healed physical eyes of blindness. But it's met metaphorically, too. You know, lifting the blinders off our eyes to understand what the kingdom of heaven's all about and what redemption is and reconciliation is with God through the forgiveness of sin. Um, I'm excited uh, also in our medical clinic to be ministering to people's physical bodies and their physical needs. Uh, the local hospital in Eldorado, I love this, there's a big um, phrase up on the wall and it says, doctors treat, God heals. And I think, I think every hospital in the UK should have that. Don't you? Doctors treat, God heals. Um, I wanna just show you a really quick video here of a little girl that came to one of our medical camps and saw Ian, our optician, Ian, from Cheadle. My name is Nancy Chebichi. I come from St. Joseph Primary School. I was having a problem of a problem of eyes and I thank God for for open arms. She they have given me these glasses and I am saying thank you. God bless you. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? Giving, giving sight to the blind. I have to tell you guys, I have given away more pairs of reading glasses in Kenya. Um, just a couple weeks ago, we had to take our car in to the mechanic. And, and here's this mechanic. He's got the, the, the bonnet up. And he's got to read the tag, the serial number on the inside of the bonnet. And he actually climbs up and in literally to try to get close enough to see it. Then he finally gets smart, takes his phone, and takes a photo. And then I'm watching him struggle to see it. I take my glasses off. I said, here, can you just try these on real quick and see if it makes a difference? He goes, wow! 
I can see. <laughs> There's another paragon. But, you know, simple stuff, you guys, that we take for granted. I can't tell you how many older people, like me, come and they say, I've not been able to read the Bible in years because I, I can't see it. And through a simple, cheap pair of reading glasses, it changes their life. Um, recovery of sight to the blind. Um, healing, God brings healing. We had a woman come to our medical camp a few years ago. She went to the local, they call them dispensaries, little government clinics, and she was, uh, and this often happens, she was diagnosed with malaria. So they gave her some meds, but days later she was not better. She came to our medical clinic, saw our doctors, we did a urine test. She had a severely advanced kidney infection and she was pregnant. She got injections of really powerful antibiotics in both hips and saved her life and saved her baby's life. The docs said that she was within a couple days of dying from a kidney infection. Um, what a pleasure it is and a blessing to just be available to see people's physical bodies healed. Um, I wish this happened more, but it does happen. Two times, two, two stories I remember is when people come to our medical camps, we send them into the prayer tent or prayer room first. We used to do it at the end, after they saw the doctors and the nurses, and then finally dawned on us, that's sending the wrong message. If we don't believe that God can heal them, and heal them before they even get to the doctor, then, then we got our priorities wrong, or we're serving a really small God. My best friend prayed for a woman who couldn't see for cataracts in her eyes, and when she opened her eyes, they were gone. The cataracts were gone. And she could see. One time in our medical camp in the prayer tent, a deaf woman brought her baby in. The, the baby was sick, but we prayed for this woman that God would restore her hearing, and boom, her hearing was restored and she began weeping and crying because she heard her baby's cries for the first time. I'm just telling you. You know what? Sometimes all we need to do is give God space. The kingdom of heaven heals people physically still. This is Kelvin, the next slide. Kelvin came to us just about six months ago. Isn't he a cutie? Kelvin has type one diabetes. And he has spent most of his childhood, he's about seven now, he spent most of his childhood in the hospital because his family just didn't have the discipline to make sure he got his injections and that he had the right diet. So finally, our district children's officer came to us knowing our, our medical um, component and asked if we would consider taking Kelvin in. 
So we did, and he's doing great. He's stabilized. And he's in school at our academy. He's doing wonderful. Jesus comes to bring recovery of sight to the blind, to heal people physically. And lastly, I'll be done, setting free those who are oppressed. This next slide is simply of our academy, our school. You know, I believe a lot of oppression happens because people aren't educated. They just don't know any better. They're not empowered through knowledge. And the Bible says over and over again, it's the Lord that gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. God is a God of knowledge. He imparts knowledge and wisdom and understanding. I was just reading about Daniel again this morning and how Daniel was so favored of God with knowledge and understanding and wisdom that it promoted him quickly in the courts of Babylonia. God wants to impart knowledge to his people and we have our chance in our community, not just for the kids in our village, but our school is open to, to children outside. And I believe that when the kingdom comes through education and knowledge and understanding, oppression also can be lifted because they're empowered. People are empowered. Setting free those who are oppressed. A number of years ago, I was meeting with the leader of the street children in Eldoret. You, if you don't know street society, they, they have their own ranks. They have their leaders. And this, and this man was in his 30s, but all the kids looked up to him and reported to him. And he said, you know, some time ago, a, a white person came through Eldoret and said if we allowed them to take pictures of us, that he would buy us a pump. To, to pump water up from the river to water our crops. The street kids had planted crops along the river so that they had their own garden to eat from. And I just said, I'm so sorry that that person didn't follow through. But you'll have your ram pump, you're pumped for the water tomorrow. And I just went out and got him a pump so that they could grow crops and so they could eat. But that's what the kingdom does. The kingdom comes and lifts the oppression. As I conclude, um, a few years ago, I, um, I had some visitors from the West and uh, there's a waterfall up in the Great Rift Valley that I had seen way off in the distance from the road. And I'd always wanted to hike there and see it. And so my two buddies and I, we drove as far off road as we could until the road quit. And then we got out and started walking. And we encountered a farmer and his wife. And... Um, Something interesting happened. And as we were walking, and he, he stopped us, because you know, at least up in the hills there, they don't see too many white people. So he was intrigued that we were up there, and he spoke pretty good English. But um, 
he offered to take us. He knew the way to the, the waterfall. So we said, sure, that would be great. And as he led us, I looked, and his shoes were appalling. Um, old, how do you say it here? Adidas? Is that close? Adidas. Adidas? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Um, you, I had to try to kind of say it the way you do, because if I said Adidas, you'd go, what? Anyway, I remember Adidas back in the early 70s. I got my first pair. Do you guys, any of you remember the, the first pair of a leather Adidas with the, like the three red stripes down the side? Well, this farmer, that's what he had on from like 1972. And I found out later he'd been a runner. And those had been his running shoes. They were a mess. Now, I had on really nice, pretty new Columbia sportswear hiking shoes, and I liked them. I liked my shoes. I did not like his shoes. And as we're walking, this voice comes and says, I want you to give him your shoes. And I said back in my head, I don't want to give him my shoes. <laughs> the voice came again, I want you to give him your shoes. Well. Has anybody else done this with God? You, you get into this back and forth thing like, you know, you gotta come to a meeting of the minds, right? Well, I'm going back and forth with God and I finally got to the place where I said, I'll give him my shoes at the end of the day after the hike. Oh, you guys, I am so shallow and sinful, it's horrible. And Jesus his spirit said to me, no, I want you to give him your shoes now. And this time the voice was a little more like, now. <laughs> and I know when to stop. So what you're seeing here is, is the video of me stopping to give him my shoes. I'm a follower of Jesus. And God spoke to me as we were walking and he wanted me to give you my shoes. Okay. But you know what? Mm -hmm. You don't have to give me your shoes if you don't want to. You can just have mine. I'm, but if you don't want your shoes, I would, I would be honored to have your shoes. I can take my shoes. Is it okay? I am not. Is that okay? I'm okay. <laughs> okay, let's give, each, let's give our shoes to each other, okay? Yeah. I would be honored to have, give you my shoes. And I will be honored to wear your shoes. I hope they fit. I hope, my, I hope his shoes fit me too. Oh, it's going to be tight. It is but it works. It works. Are they too big? Too big. Are they? Yeah. Do you still want them? I still want them. Okay. Too big is better than too small. Yes. Mr. Pierana, I swear, shoes For athletics? Mm. It's okay. They look good. 
Okay. They look nice. God loves you, Paul. Okay. <laughs> Do you know that? I know that. Jesus died for you. Okay. Yeah. And that's why you are there. So he's reaping. Thank you so much for feeding us. Okay. And thank you for being our guide. Yes. It means a lot to us. Okay. I'm still welcome to this. Thank you. Congo e missing. So Paul started weeping, and our tour stopped right then and there. He asked us to come back to his house and tell him and his wife and family about Jesus. So we did. We went back. They had a bunch of neighbors there. We just sat and shared God's love through Jesus with them. They all received the Lord. Um, one of the neighbors was already a Christian, and, and she asked if we could give her a ride back down, down uh, the mountain where she lived. And we got in the car, and then she said, I think I need to explain to you what happened back there. She said, number one, my church has come up to this area for years, sharing Christ. No one has ever received the Lord until today. But the other thing that I think you should know is that the thing that changed Paul's life was not that you gave him your shoes. It's when he saw you put his shoes on your feet and walk in his shoes that changed his life. And when you come right back to it, we know that's exactly what Jesus did when he brought the kingdom. He put, he put our shoes on, our old, awful, awful shoes. Jesus took those on himself and he gave us the best. Jesus was quoting from the book of Isaiah when he opened that scroll. But the rest of Isaiah talks about, and there, there's the scripture there, that Jesus brought the kingdom to comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve, bestow beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they, those who experience the kingdom, will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I love this, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. I invite you guys, all of us, together. Live the kingdom. Let the Holy Spirit in you take the kingdom out into the world. And whether that's across the street or next door or somewhere else in the UK or in Africa or anywhere else in the world, wherever God wants you to carry the kingdom, just be willing to do it. It's awesome. It's awesome to be a vessel for the Lord. We're gonna have a time of response now. We have a team coming from Ivy, as I said, in August next year. I wanna first invite 
those who are coming on that team to make your way up here. Okay? We're going to have a time of prayer uh, over them. And if you guys will kind of make your way over there. But this is not just about them. Let's bow our heads and, uh, and just have a word of prayer, okay? Father, we're just so grateful for tonight. And we're just so grateful, Jesus, that you ushered in the kingdom of God. That you, Jesus, were the personification God's son who brought the kingdom to bear on this world. And we're so grateful tonight that you came to proclaim good news for the poor. You came to bind up people whose hearts were torn asunder and broken. You came to proclaim freedom for captives and you came to restore people's sight. And God, we're so grateful tonight here at Ivy. We're grateful that you've done that work in us and that you're doing that work in us. Because God, not for any of us is it finished. You are still exerting your rule and your authority over our lives and we need it, God. We, we all still are poor in spirit and we need good news. We are still brokenhearted sometimes and we need you to bind us up. We are still bound and oppressed and we need to hear you and see you proclaim our freedom. So tonight, if you're here and, and you would just say, David, I not only need to see the kingdom revealed in my life in very specific ways, but I also want God to bring me to the place where I am taking the kingdom to other people and I'm being used by God. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.